Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Best Friends Forever. Yo! This is the Fantasy Best Friends Forever here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Alongside Frankie Stample, I am Greg Sussman. Frankie, what's going on, buddy? Greggy, what's up, man? Week five in the books. Kind of a mixed bag last night in terms of overall sports, fantasy. We pulled out a much-needed win in the GSC League against our guy, Chris Vaccaro. Mark Ingram came through, and Jordan Reed was the invisible man last night. Yes, he was. Uh, Drew Brees went off, broke the record, so I'm sure we'll talk about that. Alvin Kamara owners are probably freaking out. Frustrated. I lost in, in the Carton League yeah. by like two or three to Ventra. I had the Kamara, so I didn't even look. Yeah. Kind of like how in the GST, I didn't look at the sports. I was like, whatever. And we, I won that one, and I lost, I lost Carton's League. It's yeah. okay. But uh, how about them Yankees, Greggy? Moving on. <laughs> Nobody cares about baseball, Frank. You know that. Yeah, of course. You, you know that. So last night, Mark Ingram, that's the story to me, right? Mark Ingram returns, led the backfield in carries, led the backfield in touchdowns. What was with the breakdown between Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara? That's what the story is to start, start us off here on a Tuesday. Yeah, so Mark Ingram stepped in and immediately saw 54% of the snaps, while Alvin Kamara only played 46% of the snaps. And I saw um, you know, people on Twitter talking about how you know, he came into this game with a bum knee. They kind of got out to a lead very early in this game. They were dominating pretty much from, like, the second quarter on. So, basically, in the second half, they didn't really need Alvin Kamara. You know, as weird as it sounds, they, you know, they were just dominating this game. So, uh, he didn't play a lot there in the second half. Um, I wouldn't be freaking out. If anyone in your league is freaking out and they're an Alvin Kamara owner, I would try and buy low. Uh, and I'm not going to try and, like, pat myself on the back too hard for this one. But a couple of weeks ago, I said... Just try. Just float Alvin Kamara out there and see what you can get. I still think he's going to be, you know, a top five running back from here on out. But, God bless you, Greggy. There is no doubt that Mark Ingram provides something there that they haven't had all season. So, you know, the days of getting 20 targets out of Alvin Kamara, the days of getting, you know, 15-plus targets out of him, I think those are gone. But I still think that he's going to be good enough for, you know, 12, 13 carries a game and probably like seven to eight targets in competitive games. This was really not a competitive game, Greg. Yeah, so it's interesting, and I wonder how much of this has to do with being Ingram's first game back and the Saints having a bye next week, right? You can give Kamara almost an extended break because they've used him a lot more than they probably have wanted to um, over the first four weeks because they had no backup. Jonathan Williams didn't work out. Mike Gillisley didn't work out. Uh, nobody worked out. As a, as a potential backup, they looked very, very hard to find someone to fill that Mark Ingram role. They found nobody. So they had to use Ingram over and over, I mean, use Kamara 
more and more and more every single week. And that usage just could not continue. I think there's a chance we see a lot of what we saw last year with Ingram and Kamara, which is a pretty even split, but Mark Ingram very heavily involved in this offense. And I said to you back in January, I go, everyone's talking about Alvin Kamara as a, a top five, top six, top seven pick. But shouldn't Mark Ingram be in that close to first round discussion? He got suspended and it never happened. And before he got suspended, he was, I believe, going like late second round, early third round, around that turn, the, the Jordan Howard area, mm-hmm. um, if you will. And if last night is any proof, and I don't know that it is, that's probably where he deserved to go, if not earlier. Mark Ingram was fantastic last night. Yeah, he was. He, uh, you know, he saw 16 carries in this game. The efficiency wasn't great, just around three yards per carry, but... You know, something I spoke about yesterday, it, you can't really notice it now because it was 43-19, the final score. The Redskins' defense overall had been pretty good coming into this game. So uh, they shut down the run for the most part in terms of efficiency, but he still scored two touchdowns. They used him a ton in the red zone. I don't know that that's going to change. Um, but, you know, where Alvin Kamara was dominating this year was indeed in the red zone. Coming into this week, he had the most red zone touches in the NFL. So that's, you know, carries plus receptions. Um, I think that's going to change a little bit. But in games where, like, it's higher scoring, there's shootouts, I think we see more Kamara. Uh, But, look, we knew that once Mark Ingram was going to return that the Saints offense gets something back that they hadn't had all season. And that was, like, a competent one-two punch to Alvin Kamara. So I think if if you you got Mark Ingram back, you're excited about that. He, I think, instantly jumps in as, like, a high-end RB2. RB2, yep. Um, And, you know... Alvin Kamara, instead of being the consensus RB1, he's probably closer to, like, top five now. Still, still an RB1, yes. just not the consensus RB1 that, that he may have been other than Todd Gurley to me. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. All right, so that's the, the big story from the running game last night. So let's talk more about Drew Brees and the wide receivers. There was no Ted Ginn last night. Well, Traquan Smith, who a lot of people really, really like to score a touchdown, uh, a DFS target, he did. He, he was fantastic. Wide, wide open on one of his touchdowns last night. Yeah, still only saw three targets in this game, but if you look at the target breakdown, nobody had more than five. There was a lot of receivers in this game uh, between two targets and five targets. Michael Thomas had five targets in this game. Traycon Smith showed some of that explosiveness. You know, he was kind of a preseason darling. A lot of the fantasy industry on Twitter talking him up throughout the preseason. Uh, you know, turned those three receptions into 111 yards and two touchdowns. So maybe he gives them that added element that they were missing, um, you know, without Ted Ginn. Ted Ginn, you know, a little bit of an older player. He plays his part in the offense. But, you know, Cam Meredith also had five targets, tied for Michael Thomas for the uh, the team lead yesterday, caught all five for 71 receiving yards. So I think some people are going to look at Cameron Meredith and Traquan Smith as ads this week. And today is a waiver wire show. So, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about that. But I'm really not sure. Like, you know, one week it could be Traquan as like the number two pass catcher or number three, rather, outside of Michael Thomas and Kamara. And then maybe one week it's Cam Meredith. I just I don't know how much consistency you're going to get out of either one of those guys, Greg. Yeah, I I tend I tend to ultimately agree with you that you look at Traquan Smith and you look at Ted Ginn and Smith younger, more exciting. He's a lot better than Ted Ginn is at this point in his career. But Will it be consistent? Will it be week to week? The New Orleans Saints have so many weapons to deal with. And then you can't count on it. It took us forever to count on Ted Ginn. I like Smith. I liked him in the DFS play. We all liked Meredith coming into the year. But with Mark Ingram back, with Ben Watson and Josh Hill still things, 
There's just no reliability week to week. We can talk about it. And they have a bye week coming up next week. Like, you're not spending anything on these guys. Yeah, outside of, like, deeper leagues, we play in a few of those where, you know, like, 20-plus round drafts, maybe where you have, like, eight bench spots, something like that. But in your standard, you know, 12-team, maybe five bench league, I don't think that you're going out and adding these guys. And for what it's worth, I know the snap percentage might be a little misleading because last night, obviously, you know, that game felt like it never was going to end. You know, going into the fourth quarter, this game was already over. And it was over by the end of the third quarter. So, you know, the fourth quarter, you probably see a lot of those players resting. But Michael Thomas played 77% of the snaps. Traquan Smith was next up with 66% of the snaps. Uh, And then Cameron Meredith comes in at about 45% of the snaps. But again, you don't know how much is that due to the guys just leaving the game late and just not playing the fourth quarter because they didn't need to. Totally, totally. Let's go to the other side of things from last night, Frankie. Do we have to? No, not really. (laughs) No, we should. Okay, right. Um... So, might be the worst game I've seen of Alex Smith's career. It was it bad, was man. Bad. It was so bad. 23 of 39, a guy who typically completes a lot of his passes, 275 yards, zero passing touchdowns. He did have the rushing touchdown, uh, but threw an interception, a terrible interception. Uh, you know, throwing off his back foot, across his body, across the field. It was bad. It was just not your typical Alex Smith game. And, you know, also yesterday I brought up the Saints defense, did they start to turn around in that game against the Giants? You didn't really know because the Giants offense is very inconsistent. Was that just the Giants offense having a bad game? Or was it the Saints defense kind of turning around? And I think the answer now over the past two weeks is you look at it, the Saints defense is kind of turning around, Greg. The Saints defense... Maybe that Giants game wasn't a fluke. Slowly, incrementally going, getting better. And I think last night, and everybody liked Washington. Corey, you, me, we, we all liked Washington. And the thing is, that's very frustrating as a Giant fan. You beat Carolina, you're like in the driver's seat here. Yeah. Um, but oh, what a terrible division right now! Oh my gosh, brutal. But I think I think with it was a really tough spot for Washington. I know they're coming off a bye, but it's Monday night. It's in New Orleans. It's a Drew Brees record-breaking game. It's a really tough spot, and all the momentum goes against Washington in that one. So I don't know if I'm buying the Saints defense I, back yet. I understand the narratives in this game, but when you have a bye week and you have that much time to game plan. For all of these players, I, I don't know. I think it's kind of excu- inexcusable to get blown out. Like, yeah, the Saints were probably going to win this game regardless because of the narrative and Drew Brees going for history here. But the fact that it's like Monday night, I, I don't think that matters. Like, coming off a of bye week, I, I just I don't see how you get trounced this badly when you have that much time to game plan for a team. Unless, indeed, it's just, you know, the Saints are turning that corner and their defense is playing well. It's possible. Drew Brees is throwing for 360 yards and three touchdowns, have, it seems like, every single week, we except have, against the Giants. We have certainly zero. We have certainly seen in the past these... A lot of teams have to work themselves into a better defense. The Saints last year was an example. The Patriots seemingly every year. Uh, some of these old Giants teams that through the first two, three, four weeks, they really struggle before the pieces fit and, and the scheme works. For whatever reason, they don't come out of the gun slinging, right? Like, it's a process. And maybe that process is now in stage two when it comes to the New Orleans Saints. I think it's, I think it's possible. With Washington, I really liked their defense before last night. Uh, that turned into a disaster. Chris Thompson was involved, and, and, Drew, and Chris, Alex Smith almost killed him. So that, was, that wasn't so great. Um, Adrian Peterson, the revenge game didn't really work out. Jordan Reed, as I mentioned, was a zero. All these wide receivers, it was, it was a struggle all night long, really, for Washington. And Jordan Reed, two targets. That was a season low for him. We thought this would be a solid matchup, too. 
Um, you know, play him while he's healthy. He seems like he's healthy right now, but you know, the the, the biggest play you saw him make last night was a uh, a chase down tackle that he saved that interception from Alex Smith being a pick six. That was the most action we saw from Jordan Reed last night. So just one reception for 21 yards. Obviously, you were expecting more. That was a letdown. Uh, Chris Thompson still had a standard PPR game, six receptions for 45 yards. Neither running back did much on the ground because obviously this game got out of hand very fast. You like that Jamison Crowder was targeted eight times, but only hauled in four for 55. I actually thought it could have been a better game for Crowder because the Saints lost their slot corner um, a week ago, and we saw Sterling Shepard kind of have a big game because of that. And I thought that, as a result, Jamison Crowder would be in for a big game as well here. Uh, But he didn't. it was just kind of like a standard four for 55. I do like the fact that he saw eight targets. Um, Washington has to bounce back now. They are going up against the Panthers next Hmm. week, so... They'll be at home in that game. We'll see what happens. There's, there's certainly um, been some offense there. Frankie, I wanted you certainly get into waivers today. We have uh, a whole lot to get to. Um, I know people don't have all that much money left, or not all that much money left, but there hasn't there nobody has a hundred dollars left essentially, or a thousand dollars left. Yep. It, it, it's draining. And the big news that comes out yesterday has to do with Jay Ajayi. Ajayi out of nowhere tears his ACL, and I know you were very off Jay Ajayi this year coming into the year for not necessarily injury concerns, but workload concerns with Doug Peterson, with the Eagles, and rotating running backs in and out. Well, I have good news. One of the running backs are gone. You don't have to deal with J.H.I. anymore. The bad news is J.H.I. is arguably the best out of the running backs. He tours ACL, and that sucks. But he's gone, which opens up Corey Clement, Wendell Smallwood, Darren Sproles when he's healthy, and, and who's the fourth guy again? Who's that like rookie people like for a little while? Uh, Josh. I was going to say Josh Reynolds. It's not got Josh Reynolds. But Josh Adams, I think. That's right. Josh Adams. So there's a guy got called up off the practice squad. Right. So then you have those four guys to worry about. So the biggest question that we've gotten on Twitter, we've gotten from our friends, we've gotten on the phone lines today, is how much do we spend on guys like Corey Clement, Wendell Smallwood, Darren Sproles, and Josh Adams if they're on the wave wire? That's the big question, and that's what I throw to you. I think... It depends, obviously, how much you need a running back. If you were a JHI owner, I'm not breaking the bank on any of the running backs here. I think Corey Clement and Wendell Smallwood, you're looking at another running back by committee. Again, this is a Doug Peterson-led offense. And I said the same thing coming into the year, Greg. Was That was the reason why I didn't like JHI. You look at the past couple of years, and this is actually our stat of the day, Greg. Ooh. To this point in the season, no running back, the totality of their snaps, yep. has played more than 42% of the snaps on the season. Okay, Last season... No Eagles running back played more than 41% of the snaps over the entire season. Not just, I'm talking about, like, in a single game. Because there were games where, you know, obviously running backs dominated the snaps. But it's just so inconsistent. This is what Doug Peterson likes to do. He likes to rotate running backs, and it's going to continue to frustrate fantasy owners. So, again, if you lost a Jai, you're going to look at Clement. You're going to look at Wendell Smallwood. Honestly, I'm not spending more than 20% of my fab budget on either. I think they're, they're both in that range. And, if, honestly, to try and choose one... I think you're going to be pulling your hair out there as well because we've seen Wendell Smallwood have good games so far this year. We've seen Corey Clement have a good game uh, to this point in the season. I think those are kind of like the early down guys. And then Darren Sproles, if he ever gets healthy, will just kind of have his role, you know, maybe like a handful of targets per game. But it's going to continue to be a running back by committee in Philadelphia. Now, you are desperate for running back. That's the problem. We're all desperate for running backs. And 
I agree. It's going to be running back by committee. You're going to pull your hair out when Wendell Smallwood is doing really, really well, and you started Corey Clement, and vice versa as well. And Corey Clement's having a great drive. Why is Wendell Smallwood in at the goal line? You're going to be very, very frustrated when Doug Peterson stops running the ball. These are all the things that we have seen with Philadelphia in the past, and all these things have been very, very frustrating to us Eagles owners. The rumors that you saw yesterday, and there were two of them, the first was Le'Veon Bell. And every source imaginable has said, that's not a thing. The Eagles are not trying to trade for Le'Veon Bell. It's not going to work. Whatever. Okay? Florio actually just texted us saying he thinks LaShawn McCoy could end up back in Philadelphia. Supposedly, the Eagles have reached out. Somebody's reached out. Obviously, it makes sense for the Bills who are going nowhere. Um, you got up. So, interestingly enough, those are the rumors. Are they true? I don't know. Certainly, it's something you have to worry about when it comes to your bid. Yeah, the Le'Veon Bell, uh, they've already shut that down. Um, I don't know if they want to give up that high of a draft pick, but you could probably get LaShawn McCoy for a lot cheaper. Still, even if they get LaShawn McCoy, it's going to be a running back by committee. He's never going to dominate snaps for this team. Fair enough. We'll take a break. When we come back, more from the waiver wire. Coming up next on the BFFs. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build and optimize lineups for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Visit today. We are back with you here on the Fantasy Best Friends Forever Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I got to tell you, you can't, you can't make it up, man. On Sunday, Colin Drew from DailyRoto.com won seventy-two grand on DraftKings and used DailyRoto's NFL Optimizer. Last night, first place. And he won $175,000. You kidding me? 240 grand in two days. Un- Speechless, man. Unbelievable. Tonight, he's playing DFS hockey and trying to win a DFS tournament three consecutive days. I, I don't get it. We knew that DailyRoto.com produced winners and produced millionaires, but this is ridiculous. They produce seven multi-million dollar tournament winners. And clearly countless more, including our own Colin Drew. You guys won $247,000 in the last two days. Head on over to dailyroto.com right now. Use the promo code FNTSY for a special discount and take part in the daily fantasy winnings. It's unbelievable. If you're into sports wagering, we have a sports betting tab as well. And you can use the same optimizer, but for betting rather than for DFS. DailyRoto.com, the industry website where millionaires are made. And Colin Drew is too. Unbelievable, Frankie. Crazy. really is, man. Shout out to Colin Drew. Uh, again, Greg uh, has a wedding next year, so if you want to contribute to that, um, all donations are welcome. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> we met with a band and, oh, God, man. So much money. So much money. Can you get the wedding singer? Uh, Adam Sandler will not be at my wedding. I mean, he kind of... Fit right in, I guess. Why? Uh, because um, he, you're a good singer and he's a good singer? 
Oh, all right, cool. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Obviously. That's yeah, all right. Yeah. Uh, seems like seems what you were going with there. Okay. All right, so Wendell Smallwood, Corey Collette. Those are the two guys uh, that are out there in quite a few leagues. Frank, you're not breaking the bank for them by any means, you said. Yes, and Wendell Smallwood is by far much more widely available. He's only owned in 10% of CBS Sports Leagues, while Corey Clement is still owned in 63% of leagues. And there was just a report that Corey Clement is at the start of practice today. Yep. They're practicing on a Tuesday because, obviously, they have the short week, the game on Thursday night against the New York Giants. So he is practicing. Looks like he's going to be ready for that game. Uh, but again, this past week, Wendell Smallwood and J.J., 49% of the snaps each. 50-50 split. Now, if you mix Darren Sproles into that, uh, assuming that he's back for this game as well, maybe he plays like 20 to 25% of the snaps, and then the rest is kind of divvied up between Corey Clement and Wendell Smallwood. I'm just I'm breaking it down for you again. This is just going to be a mess of, of, a, of a situation. Like one week, you're going to start Corey Clement. It'll be the week Wendell Smallwood goes off. So I'm not breaking the bank for either. If I lost a Jai, I'm willing to go as high as 20%. Maybe like if you just want to get over that, like 22% of my budget, but... I'm not going up to like 30%, something that I was doing early on in the season for like a Giovanni Bernard. I'm not doing that for either one of these Eagles running backs, Greg. I just think they're going to frustrate you, ultimately. I'm going to spend under 20% um, for sure, but not much less than 20%. Um, for Corey Clement, I'm more interested in maybe he'll be around 20%, and, and maybe Wendell Small would be closer to 15 I think. I think that's what I would do. Makes sense. Yeah. I don't love either, though. I don't think the waiver wire this week is all that great. It's not. It's it, 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 it's not. It, it's 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 obviously not. Um, Mike Davis actually owned in under fifty percent of leagues. Now, after one week, he didn't necessarily get picked up everywhere because you knew Chris Carson was coming back. Last week, we saw the role that Mike Davis has. He's a goal line guy. He had twelve carries. Uh, he was good. Chris Carson was great. How much do you spend on a guy like Mike Davis? It's. Pretty similar to the Eagles situation right now in terms of the running backs for the Seahawks because, again, Chris Carson, I, I highlighted this yesterday, he played about 58% of the snaps and Mike Davis was right around 42%. So you're looking at that 60-40 split. I think we can continue to see that, but you can't put Mike Davis in your lineup now saying, all right, he's definitely going to get the goal line work. He's going to get the red zone work. He's going to score a touchdown. I still think there's kind of no rhyme or reason to Pete Carroll's you know, Seahawks offense right now. Um, it's just, they're probably just going to ride the hot hand. But Mike Davis looks good right now. So anytime we see a running back who is performing like this and is getting at least 40% of the snaps and, and getting double-digit touchdowns, uh, touchdowns, touches overall, you have to be somewhat interested. So similar to the Eagles guys, I'm, I'm not breaking the bank for this. Maybe like 12% of my budget. That's about as high as I'm willing to go for Mike Davis. Okay. For, yeah, you know, it's for me... That's even high, I think, because, listen, I, I get it. Chris Carson. If something happens to Carson again, that, so though, that, then you're looking at right. Mike Davis like a, like a low-end well, RB2. RB2. Right, so that was the thing. Carson hasn't exactly been picture-perfect healthy over the mm-hmm. last two years. So that's true. Just, you said it, Greg. Look, there's just no running backs out there. And like, I, these yeah, are the yeah. guys who are highlighting the waiver wire right now. It's the Eagles guys. It's Mike Davis, who's still only owned in... You know, 45% of leagues. I mean, some of their names that we'll bring up, Alfred Blue, Deontay Foreman, like, the Texans can't really run the football right now. Do you want to get involved in that mess? Like, I think Deontay Foreman has some upside. He's only 19% owned, but I think they're probably going to slowly work him in. Like, you're not... If they do decide to give it over to Deontay Foreman, it's not going to be right away. Like, we're looking at maybe, like, week 8, week 9, where, like, he takes over and maybe sees, like, 15-plus touches for this team. It's not going to happen right away, so... 
there's no one that gives you an immediate impact, at least Mike Davis, if you're like super desperate for a flex. We have no carry on Johnson this week. He's on a bye. Uh, obviously, the Saints running backs being on a bye. Uh, and Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara, that doesn't help you. So, Mike Davis, you're probably looking at him as like another flex option this week. There's just not much on the waiver. No, there's not. There's really, really not. So maybe I'm, maybe I'm undercutting Mike Davis here a little bit. Maybe I should be spending more. And for what it's worth, the Seahawks uh, have been better at run blocking since they got DJ Fluke. They have, The past absolutely. two weeks, they've just been able to run, run, run. And I think, ultimately, that's what they want to do. Like, Russell Wilson is not running the football. I don't think they want to put the load on Russell Wilson again like they had to last year. Clearly not. At, you know, at their peak... Pete Carroll and the Seahawks were run, run, run. Run the football, play defense. A lot of that was with Marshawn Lynch. They're still trying to find their Marshawn Lynch. It's obviously not Rashad Penny, even though they use a first-round draft pick on him. You know, I'm not writing the guy off for dead. I mean, he's still only a rookie in the NFL, but it doesn't look like it's going to happen for him this season. It looks like we have a two-headed monster between Chris Carson and Mike Davis. So I was going to say around 5%. I think I want to go up to 10% after, the, after our conversation about Mike Davis. 10 right. So like 8 to 10% for you, I'm willing to go as high as 12%. Yeah, that's fine. I think it's yep. 8, to, 8 to 12% I think is a fine number when it comes to Mike Davis, which leads me to Houston, where Lamar Miller sucks. Just keep hounding that. <laughs> update. Uh, update. Lamar Miller sucks. He is expected to be back this weekend. Alfred Blue is out there. Spoiler alert, Alfred Blue also sucks. Okay. Pretty good in the past game. Better than anything we've ever seen at Lamar Miller, who sucks. Indeed. And then you get to week seven. Not this week, that's week six, but the week after is week seven. Where people still seem to be excited about Deontay Foreman. Is there a reason to be? I don't know. Will he even make the jump over Alfred Blue? Again, I don't know. What I can tell you is he's out there. Alfred Blue's out there. Rest of the season, Frank, rank Lamar Miller, Alfred Blue, and Deontay Foreman for me. Uh, honestly, I would take the upside shot on Deontay Foreman. Okay. Just based on the explosiveness we saw from him last year, and I know I just kind of bashed the fact that, you know, he's eligible to come off the pup in week seven. So he's still not even back this week. But this is a prime stash candidate, and he has been all season long. He's owned in 19% of leagues. But, again, that explosiveness, that, um, that youth that he provides that we haven't seen out of Lamar Miller. Like, Lamar Miller brings nothing to the table right now for this team. And they're already talking about how they expect him to be back for week six. So, again, like Alfred Blue, while he helped in the receiving game last week, you know, he kind of is who he is. He's like a jag at this point. So I think Deontay Foreman, they used a draft pick on him last year. They obviously like him. I think at some point they're going to give him the opportunity to be the guy on this team. So I would rank it Deontay Foreman, Lamar Miller, and... Then Alfred Blue. Alfred Blue. Um... And, you know, if, if Lamar Miller can't go again this week, then you're probably looking at a similar usage game out of Alfred Blue again in week six. But they're talking about Lamar Miller going to be back. Uh, but I, I don't think it'll be long before Deontay Foreman returns and then they start to kind of, like, phase Hurt. him in. Yeah, Ultimately, I, like, it's probably just another frustrating situation. Like it, it was last year, too. Even in the games, Deontay Foreman did well, and it looked like he was, like, starting to take off before he got injured. He was never getting a big workload. Like they, I don't think they're ever going to completely go away from Lamar Miller, but there's no doubting that he has more explosiveness and, and has big playability that Lamar Miller doesn't. Agreed. And he's working, you know, there are things working against him. He's coming back from an Achilles injury. It's a very, very hard injury to come back from. I don't know that we've seen a running back come back from an Achilles injury and, and be great, to be honest. Sure. But he's, you know, he's still only 22 years old. If there's anyone who could do it, it's, 
probably a guy this young. Probably so. Probably so. But again, we don't know how healthy he will be when he comes back at Week 7. And that's kind of what scares me, because this is a brutal, brutal injury. And while I think his talent might be the best out of Lamar Miller, Alfred Blue, and himself, ultimately, will he be 100%? Will he be the same explosive guy that we saw last year? And I don't think anybody can ask, answer that. That's fair. So it sounds like you're leaning towards ranking Lamar Miller number one on this list, Greg. I'm right. I don't want any of them, to be honest with you. <laughs> that's fair. And that's, that's probably the right answer. Like, but if I had to choose one, Lamar Miller just doesn't bring anything to the table at this point. And Alfred Blue, maybe he has his role as the pass catcher, but who has the highest upside of the group? In my opinion, it's Deontay Foreman. Now, let me throw this at you. How much do you spend on them? <laughs> Alfred Blue, like... I got Alfred Blue in my home league last week for $0. And that was even with the possibility of Lamar Miller not playing. So everyone knew that possibility, and he still went for nothing. Right. So I'm not like, what, 3 to 5%? Okay. Like a couple of bucks on Alfred Blue. I agree. I don't, you know, I don't think there's much there. Totally agree. Not to Foreman, I'm a little bit more interested in. But again, if you need help right away, he's not going to help you. No. He's, already, he's not playing this week. He's coming off the pup next week. They're, you know, no again, idea it's not going to be week be. eight until yeah. week or week nine when they're really, really using him. So if you're, if you have a positive record, if you're three and two or better, and you can afford to stash him, you have someone on your bench who you're just not using. Like, all right, eight to ten percent, something like that for Deontay Foreman. Right. I'm, I'm just, I'm talking him up, but again, like, I'm not overly excited about anybody in Houston. So I'm not, it. I'm not, you know. Going higher than 10% on him. I was excited. I picked up Deontay Foreman last week and stashed him on my IR for nothing. And I was pumped about that. Mm-hmm. If I had to bid on him this week, I have no idea, man. I, I really, really have no idea. Like, like, you'd like, obviously like, rather own the Eagles and Mike Davis over Deontay Foreman. Yes, I would. Would you rather own Ronald Jones over Deontay Foreman? Because I think that's kind of like similar territory. I, I, would. Would take, I, would. I would take Ronald Jones. I would too. I don't think either team can run block. Overall, at least Ronald Jones got an opportunity last week, right? Yeah, like, and like, he's healthy. He's healthy. Yeah. That's the thing. So, would you rather I own... lean him? But and, and that's a very potent offense. So, you know, if they really do kind of pass the torch onto Ronald Jones, maybe he gets some scoring opportunities. Would you rather own um, Deontay Foreman or Rashad Penny? Foreman. Foreman. Okay. I mean, there's there's two guys ahead of Rashad Penny in Seattle, and I think once Deontay Foreman comes back, he kind of goes to the top of the list. And maybe I'm just being a little bit naive here, but why, why would you have any trust in anything Lamar Miller has done? He, he's done nothing. And he is completely droppable Rashad Penny at this point? Yes. Why would you hold him? He didn't play a single snap last week. He was effective two weeks ago when he got to play behind Mike Davis, but even in that game, Mike Davis dominated snaps, dominated carries and, and, and targets. In a deeper league, you, you, you probably want to hold on to Rashad Penny. And I'm talking like deep. Like, 14 teams are deeper, or if you have, like, more than six or seven bench spots, okay. But I would rather stash a guy like Foreman or Ronald Jones over Rashad Penny at this point. I tend to agree with you. Somebody else you wrote to drop on here. Wait, you know, are there any other running backs you wanted to mention? You wrote Kyle Juszczyk on here. <laughs> this is just a PPR dart throw, but Matt Breida looks like he's going to be out a few weeks uh, with that, you know, mid-to-high ankle sprain that they're talking about right now. And we know um, Kyle Juszczyk, you know, it was just using the pass game a week ago. So um, Alfred Morris not really going to catch many passes, and Kyle Juszczyk has that role in this offense. So, again, this is just like a dart throw, a PPR, like whatever. Maybe he catches like five or six balls a week. He's kind of like a Theo Riddick mold. Right. I just, I just thought I'd mention him. Cool. 
You're not in on Kyle. No, I'm in on Kyle. I'm sorry. Okay. So what I did want to ask you was, we're getting to wide receivers now, right? And one of the players that you had on your drop list was Antonio Callaway, which shocked me because when we do the FanDuel hurry up coming up in an hour or so or two hours or whatever, he's on my ad list. And that's where the difference of opinion clearly is when it comes to Antonio Callaway. You think he's droppable. I think this is a perfect time to buy low. Rashad Higgins is out for the next two to four weeks with an MCL injury. Yeah, David Njoku's there, and obviously Jarvis Landry's there. When they, that, that's it. Yeah, Duke Johnson. Maybe, maybe, Duke, maybe Duke Johnson's somebody we have to talk about to pick up. Because Baker's got to throw it to somebody, man. Yeah, and he's still throwing a ton to Jarvis Landry, so you like that. But, yep. uh, you know, it's not like Landry is doing much with these targets right now. He's actually been very inefficient this year. But look at Callaway. He's, he got the targets the past three weeks. He had 10 targets in week three. He had nine targets in week four. That number went down to just five targets this week. Yep. And while I know uh, Richard Higgins uh, is out, like you mentioned, um, Derek Willies got five targets in this game as well, so that was tied with Antonio Callaway. And overall, Callaway just hasn't done much with his targets on the year. So I think it's just a lot of Jarvis Landry. I think we see a lot of David Njoku, who has had 11 targets this past week and has had seven tar- at least seven targets in four out of five games this year. I think it's a lot of Njoku, a lot of Landry. We probably see a little bit more Duke Johnson sprinkled in here. But overall, Baker Mayfield and really any quarterback has not been on the same page with Antonio Callaway. Right. And I just don't know that it's going to happen, especially now in a game where we just saw his targets um, come down instead of kind of stay consistent where they were at. And then a guy like Derek Willies, who you know did not play much in this game, but he still had the same number of targets as Antonio Callaway. Um, overall, I'm just... Not very excited about him. I'd rather take a shot on, you know, some of these guys. Like, what's the difference between Robbie Anderson and Antonio Callaway right now? They're, they're both deep threats for their respective teams, except we've actually seen Robbie Anderson do it one week out of the season. We haven't seen Antonio Callaway do it yet. That's true. That, that, that's completely true. How, how is Duke Johnson out there? Places? Let me see here. Um, Duke. Not that I like Duke Johnson. I just picked him up this that. past week just because, like, I... In, a, in my home league, which is deeper than usual, it's like seven bench spots, and like we start like eleven positions. I felt like he should be owned. So he's out. So he's out there in, in Yahoo. I know you don't love Yahoo. He's, he's owned in thirty six percent of leagues. Hmm. Yahoo ownership is usually lower. Low. Usually lower. So yeah, let me pull this up in CBS where I just picked him up. But thirty six percent of leagues, I'd imagine it's probably like closer to fifty. It's forty six percent on CBS. So forty six percent on CBS, thirty six percent on Yahoo. ESPN, he's owning fifty one and a half percent. So he's about owning half leagues, half half the leagues. I would, it's probably worth picking up, man. Instead, in terms of like the running backs, though, that we mentioned, in my opinion, he's Last. still behind the Eagles. Yeah, he's still behind Mike Davis. Yeah, Deontay Foreman and Ronald Jones, I think, have higher, higher upside because they could be the starters for their respective teams. He probably just comes in ahead of Kyle Ushek. <laughs> It's about it. Okay. So that tells you how much you need to know right. about Duke Johnson. But Fair enough. hasn't had more than five carries in any game this year. Targets have been inconsistent. He's had six twice in the other three games. He's had two, he's had two, and he's had one. Well, maybe. It, it should be trending in the right direction with the injury H- to Higgins. Richard Higgins. Yeah. And Joku, arrow up as well. Yeah. We'll get more into the wide receivers, more players that you can drop. It's pretty much the same players we always say, but, but we're too nervous to drop them. We'll talk about that when we come back. Fantasy Best Friends Forever. Fantasy Sports Radio Network.
If you're someone that needs fantasy sports advice every day, the Fantasy Sports Radio Network has you covered. When you download the FNTSY Sports Radio Network app, you get the top fantasy advice every single day right through the weekend. Be sure to listen to our weekend warriors like College Football Today. Welcome to College Football Today. Weekend fantasy update. They call me the fantasy Jesus. In this league, it is never short of exciting at ITL. And so much more. Download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app in the iTunes and Google Play Store now. And keep the best fantasy experts right in your pocket all day long and all week long. If you enjoy playing daily fantasy sports but are sick of dealing with professionals using the algorithms to select hundreds of lineups and entries, try the Props Builder tool at mybookie.ag. Forget having to create multiple lineups, ditch the hassle of dealing with late lineup scratches, and avoid experts winning 90% of the money. Invest in the players that you want without salary caps. And if you sign up for a new account using the promo code FNTSY, you can receive a 50% deposit bonus. No more dealing with late lineup scratches, no experts to compete against, just you and the profit that you choose. Go to mybookie.ag, the promo code is FNTSY when you sign up, and choose your matchup using the Props Builder tool. And that's mybookie.ag. The promo code is FNTSY. Back with you here on the Fantasy Best Friends Forever Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I feel like there was a name that we should mention. I just saw it in the YouTube chat. Running back? Alfred Morris. Only owning 50% yeah. of leagues and was probably dropped in a lot. Uh, actually, in one of my home leagues, I had no choice but to drop him last week because, as I mentioned, I didn't want to drop the Bears' defense, and I needed a defense while they were on the bye. Uh, my running backs in that league were you know, Mark Ingram, Sony Michelle, uh, Alex Collins, Saquon Barkley. Alfred Morris was clearly my worst running back, so I went out and dropped him. So he might be available in your league. He's, uh, he's owned in about 50% of CBS leagues. He played 44% of the snaps uh, this past week, which was the hi- his highest over the past three weeks for them. Uh, you know, Kyle Juszczyk actually played 69% of the snaps for San Francisco this mm-hmm. past week. So whenever they're trailing and they're behind, this Juszczyk. is kind of why I mentioned Kyle Juszczyk, just because whenever they're trailing and are behind, which I think is going to be a decent amount because, like, the 49ers are just not very good right now with uh, C.J. Beathard as their quarterback, he's going to be on the field. And C.J. Beathard likes to throw the ball to the running back. He's, you know, Mr. Checkdown. I know that's something that uh, Corey Parson, the fantasy executive, has dubbed. But if Alfred Morris was dropped, I think he's a guy that you look at. And then with the news about LaShawn McCoy kind of being inquired on by the Philadelphia Eagles, we need to throw out um, Chris Ivory. Chris Ivory. Yeah. As a, as a po- possible speculative ad in deeper leagues. Just because if LaShawn McCoy is traded, we saw that big usage game out of Chris Ivory. Again, look, the, the Bills' offensive line is not great by any means. The Bills overall are not great. But anytime you could get a running back who could potentially be the starter for his team if LaShawn McCoy were traded, I think you got to look into it. He's only owning 16% of CBS leagues. Right yeah, now. I, I think you throw a little bit on Ivory. I don't think, I, there's no reason not to, ultimately. Where would Alfred Morris rank among the group of running backs that we spoke about today? He's probably, he's probably ahead of Mike Davis. He is, for sure. I, I'm considering putting him ahead of the Eagles as well, man. Because when this team, tra- if this team trades for LeSean McCoy, it's a disaster. It's true. But that's just speculative right now. Like, we don't know. It's true. Yeah, he's probably right in that same range. I would say... He's close. I think he's ahead of Mike Davis. I think I was... very close with it, the Eagles guys. But, I, I, again... The 49ers are not a good team. Like, I'm not going to spend a lot of fab on him either. Like, 12 to 15%. But here's is the, probably my max on Alfred Morris. So, here, here's the thing. 
Right, 12 to 15%. And mm-hmm. I said when it came to the small one, I was going to spend, what, 8 to 12%, I said? Was that the number? Mike Davis was 8 to 12. I don't even remember anymore. Mike Davis was 8 to 12. And then I think you said 15% for Smallwood, 20% right, for, 20% for, for Clement. Clement. Right. I, I, I know I gave these numbers, but I think when it was all said and done, I think I would put the highest bid on Alfred Morris. I really think I would. I get the Niners are terrible. And, and CJ well, you can never get away from Kyle Shanahan running back. I can't. That's why. You're right. <laughs> You're absolutely right. I buy it, man. I do. I understand that, and... They used Alfred Morris a lot this past week, and Matt Breida actually scored the receiving touchdown down near the goal line. Maybe normally that would be an Alfred. I don't know how, many, how often the 49ers offense is going to get near the goal line. How many points are they going to score this year? With C.J. Beathard, they're just an absolute mess. So I agree that he needs to be owned in more than 50% of leagues. He's probably like a must-add player. Just, because, uh, just while Matt Breida misses time, which looks like it might be like two to four weeks or whatever. But, yeah, like I just I don't... I don't feel great about any of these rushing games. Yeah. Like, the Eagles, the, the, honestly, the one that I'm highest on the right, na- right now is the Seahawks. I'm not high on the Eagles because they use a lot of their guys. The 49ers are just not a great team that you want to buy in on. The, the Texans can't run the football. Sure. The, uh, the Bucks can't run the football. So what are we talking about here? Yeah, I get it, man. I, I, I completely get it. Let me move on to the wide receivers, though, because yeah. I, I want to get that in as well. You look at the wide receivers that are out there this week. Not much here either, in, in all honesty. To me, the number one wide receiver out there is probably Robbie Anderson. He's only in 38% of fantasy leagues. Listen, he only caught three balls. Two of them were for touchdowns on Sunday. But Sam Darnold basically said, listen, we're going to take some shots deep now. And, and they did. Um, Anderson's owned in 38% of CBS leagues. Are you buying back in on your boy? Uh, not really. I, we spoke about him a little bit yesterday. Yep. I just don't know that there's going to be much consistency there with him. Uh, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they continue to take deep shots every single week now with Robbie Anderson. But the thing is, how often is he going to convert those deep shots that they take? And it's really, it helps if Quincy Inouye misses any time now because of this hand or wrist injury. Obviously, that would help Robbie Anderson. I think he's just kind of like a bye week guy. He's a boomer bust guy. I don't know that we ever see much consistency out of him just because Sam Darnold is the quarterback. Sure. I think we saw, obviously, much more consistency out of Robbie Anderson last year when we had a guy like Josh McCown, who's like the gunslinger, who's willing to just kind of like throw the ball down the field and let his wide receivers make a play. And again, I could be wrong, but I, I just don't trust that. To me, the guys who I think who are uh, uh, I'd rather add over Robbie Anderson, Kiki Kute, who we spoke about last week, is still only owned in 41% of leagues. I like Kiki. So a lot of people, I don't think that they bought in, ultimately, on him, but I do think that he fits right into this offense very well. The Houston Texans offense. They have Hopkins on the outside, they have Will Fuller on the outside, and then they have Kiki just kind of like roaming over the middle of the yep. field, close to the line of scrimmage, and I like guys like this for teams that can't run the football because they're using him as an extension of the run game, and if you watch that game on Sunday night, they line him up in the backfield, they have like these trick plays where he kind of like runs across, uh, kind of like how the Chiefs use Tyreek Hill, they're using Kiki Kute in a similar way in Houston. So, he, to me, if he's still out there in your league, only owning 41% of leagues, he's the top wide receiver ad for me. And then another guy who I'd rather own than Robbie Anderson, it's Muhammad Sanu. Everyone talks about Julio Jones every single week. You talk about Calvin Ridley every single week. It's Muhammad Sanu who's being targeted. He's converting. He has more touchdowns on the season than Julio Jones does. And not to mention, he has a great, great matchup this week going up against the Tampa Bay Bucks secondary. So... You're, you lost out on a lot of wide receivers this week because of the Lions on a bye, because of the Saints on a bye. We have no Michael Thomas, 
no Golden Tate, no Marvin Jones, no Kenny Galladay. You need to replace these guys. I trust a guy like Muhammad Sanu going up against the Tampa Bay Bucks more so than I do Robbie Anderson, even though it's a solid matchup against the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, so I like Muhammad Sanu and Kiki Kute more so than Robbie this week. I like Kiki Kute for sure because I think his role in the offense is secure. I, you like him in the slot. They cannot run the ball. You gave the great reasons with Fuller and um, Hopkins on the outside, and Kiki's doing his thing inside. It made sense. So Kiki's my number one guy. I, I think Robbie Anderson would be two, depending on the availability of Geronimo Allison and Randall Cobb. Let me say that. Let me preface it with that. Um, Robbie Anderson would probably be two for me. I'm not fine. The, the upside of Muhammad Sanu is just very, very small. See the same thing every year, though. Agreed. The past three weeks, at least seven targets in every game. You're right. Like, he's the one who's consistently getting targets. And I know I spoke about this with Calvin Ridley last week, and I still do like Calvin Ridley because he gets a lot of single coverage. He's going to have opportunities to score touchdowns. We saw a lot of Calvin Ridley's touchdowns this year have been wide open. Nobody around him. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he scores a touchdown again this week because it is a very good matchup against the Tampa Bay Bucks. But if you look at snap percentage and total targets right now, Muhammad Sanu is still the number two wide receiver on this team, and I think we need to respect that. You're right. You're absolutely right by that. But, like, Muhammad Sanu. How much upside does Robbie Anderson have in an offense with Sam Darnold as his quarterback? So I think that's a question that... Kind of a vanilla offense with Jeremy Bates. It is, but they took shots. And I wonder if what we saw this past Sunday is is a thing that we're going to... Like, it's a thing to come, ultimately. Yeah, I just feel like the the target usage overall is just kind of like spread out on the Jets. Like, there's no number one guy. We even saw Terrell Pryor score a touchdown in this game. Quincy Inunua, you know, when healthy, is still going to get his targets. I think the tight ends are kind of sprinkled in with Jordan Leggett and and Chris Herndon. So I think what you really like about Muhammad Sanu is this: the first three weeks of the season, even the one where he had seven targets, his long reception was 13 yards. Right? Like, there's there's nothing down the field. Two weeks ago, there was a 36-yard reception, and then last week, there was a a bomb for a 43-yard reception. You like that a lot. They're taking shots with him down the field. It's not just Julio Jones, and it's not just Calvin Ridley. So you want to spend a couple uh, dollars on Muhammad Sanu? Fine. Like, he is, as he is every single year, a guy you put in your flex play, and like, all right, maybe you can get something done. And and I don't think that changes. So I think you're right. Especially this week against Tampa. Especially this week against Tampa. I think you're right about that. I think we would have said the same thing realistically last week against Pittsburgh, too. Like, you really, especially yeah, this week against Pittsburgh, and it worked. And I, I had Muhammad Sanu ranked, you know, inside my top 40, I believe, okay. last week. So I didn't have him quite as, like, a wide receiver three. He was right there on the cutoff. But, look, in my, in my home league, half PPR, he's had at least 13.6 fantasy points in each of the past three games. He's had a touchdown or at, at least 111 yards receiving in each of the past three games. And now he gets uh, a matchup with the, the Tampa Bay Bucks, who are allowing the second most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers. I'm in, at least for this week. 844-843-6879. Always taking your calls here on the Fantasy Sports Network. Uh, other wide receivers. Let me get an MVS. Let's do it. MVS. Okay. Randall Cobb, we're not going to hear about. We're not going to hear enough about. Geronimo Allison, we're not going to hear enough about. Before waivers go through for people uh, tonight into Wednesday. If MVS is still out there, and he is in quite a few leagues, how much do you spend on him not knowing the deal of the other wide receivers in Green Bay? The number that comes to mind is like 7 or 8% okay. right off the bat with MVS. And I think, look, a lot of people are going to say, well, you know, he's going to be the wide receiver four once Allison and Cobb come back. Sometimes these things have a weird way of working out where, you know, if it just so happens that Aaron Rodgers says, no, this kid has earned my trust. Uh, you know, I targeted him double-digit times last week. He converted. You know, he caught, I believe he caught like six of those. He had, you know, 60 yards and a touchdown. 
if it does so happen that he's like, no, like, let's move on from Randall Cobb, like, they're going to listen to Aaron Rodgers. So there's always a chance, especially in this potent passing attack, Aaron Rodgers looked like he turned that corner. He looks like Aaron Rodgers again, over 400 passing yards and three touchdowns this past week. They haven't really been able to run the ball all that effectively. I think anytime you see a guy on the Packers receiving core have a big game like this, you have to be interested. Even if, you know, if everyone's healthy, he's the number four guy, I think he's still got to take a shot. Okay. Would you rather take a shot on MVS or take the shot on Josh Reynolds because he's in a very similar position. Brandon Cooks, Cooper Cup, both concussed last week in week five, week six. Although Sean McVay, optimistic about both guys, he's got a little Pete Carroll to him where he's optimistic about all of his players. Mm-hmm. Who are you taking the shot on, MVS or Josh Reynolds? I think it's a good question, but I, I, I take the shot on MVS, a guy that we just saw do it this past week against the defense, which is pretty respectable in the Lions secondary. So I, I would take MVS. I think it's a, it's a fair question. But if you play in deeper leagues where, you know, Marquez Valdez-Scantling was already picked up last week uh, and you own Brandon Cooks or you own Cooper Cup and you're, and you're really in a bind and you just you need a guy to pick up in case just to be sure if one of those guys don't go, then I think Josh Reynolds kind of comes into play there more so. I don't think he's like a universal, like, must-add kind of guy, though. Fair enough. And with that, we're going to sign off YouTube for today. Remember, the Fantasy Football Frenzy comes your way next. Chris Venture, Jim Day and the fantasy executive, Corey Parson. If you're still with us, we appreciate it. We go for the next five minutes to the top of the hour, and we're live on the radio. And if you're listening on the podcast, make sure you subscribe, rate us five stars, and leave us a comment. We're going to go to the phone lines now, Frank, before we wrap up, 844-843-6879. And we begin with Chris in L.A. What's up, Chris? Hey, good morning, guys. Hey, guys, I, I got proposed... Uh... I mean, first of all, I'm in a 10 uh, team PPR league, and I have uh, James Conner. I got proposed uh, Marshall uh, Lynch and John Brown for Conner, and I also have Tariq Cohen. I want to your thoughts on that, just because of Bell possibly coming back. So what was the what was the trade? It was Lynch and it's John Connor, Brown, Conner and Cohen for Marshall Lynch and John Brown in a full PPR. Uh, who are your wide receivers right and, now? Uh, yeah. So I got uh, Hilton, and I have Stefan Diggs, and I also have Cup. I use once in a while as a flex. Hmm. Yeah. I, was, I was wondering, because of, uh, you know, I want to keep Connor, but just because Bell might be coming back. Yeah, no, I, I get it. It's a, listen, it's, it's a fair concern, and I'm very I, concerned about it. I think it's a fair it. trade, too. I agree with you. Keeping Connor is like the high upside play on the off chance that Le'Veon Bell gets traded. I think I would do the trade. I think just I to would cover too. myself. You also, he also you get Lynch, who's like, I know it's PPR, but he's still like solid. An RB three, he's a flex. Probably option. low on RB two, in all honesty. Yeah. Um, here's my here's my real interest. Um, basically, John Brown at the wide receiver position, he needs him. John Brown's been targeted double digits like every game. He had 14 targets this past week. Correct. And with T.Y. Hilton banged up, Cooper Cup banged up, he needs a wide receiver. And I think John Brown pushes me over the edge. I know John, I know James Conner uh, is great, but I think you play for the long term, you make the championship move, I think you make the deal. I yeah, do. It's I tough. Agree. It's a tough one, though. I know, good, good question, man. That, that, was, yeah. that was good. We'll have the trade show tomorrow, too. So yeah. I, I have a feeling James Conner's name is going to come up a lot. As it should. It's like a sell-high candidate. Yeah. Man, but it makes a lot of sense. 844-843-6879. Let's go out to Nathan in New Jersey. What's up, Nathan? Hey, what's up, guys? How you doing? Good. What's up, dude? Uh, yeah, so um, I, I, I'm uh, 5-0 and for this week, so I'm undefeated still here. And I need, I'm need i trying to trade Jimmy Graham because he hasn't done anything right now. Uh, so 
uh, actually, I'm seeing uh, Greg Olson available on my fantasy waiver bar. And if I don't trade uh, uh, Jimmy Graham, what, what is the latest on Greg Olson? Do you guys know or no? So the latest was Greg Olson practice last week. He's, he had, trying, he's trying to return this week. He's trying to return this week. It if it's not this week, optimistic. it could be next week. And I think mentioning him as a, as oh. a waiver ad right now is very sneaky. He's owned yeah. in 60% of leagues, but right. he might be out there in like 10-team leagues, Greg. So if, so if I can't trade... If I can't trade Jimmy Graham, because I have Zach Ertz in my starting lineup, so I'm keeping keeping him. But if I don't find the trade partner for Jimmy Graham, is it do you think I should drop him for Greg Olson or? Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't drop Jimmy Graham for no. Greg Olson. I think they're kind of similar. But look, you have Zach Ertz. Um, I I agree with trying to trade Jimmy Graham. Look, if you have Ertz, like it, it doesn't you know it doesn't make sense to have Graham, and there are a lot of teams that are hurting at the tight end position, so. I think at the least you should be able to turn Jimmy Graham into like a flex running back or a high-end wide receiver three. So that's something I would look into. And then if you trade Mm -hmm. Jimmy Graham, once you do that, then you pick up a Greg Olson just to like cover yourself to have that backup tight end. But I don't think it's really necessary, to be honest. 844-843-6879. Let's go out to Steven in Massachusetts. What's up, Steven? Hey, what's up, my man, Greg? What's up, dude? All right, so I'll try to be quick for you. So uh, I'm kind of struggling right now. I have the number two uh, waiver claim, and uh, we have uh, Wendell Smallwood's out there, and I have a chance to pick him up. Yep. But the problem is is uh, on the, in the ESPN leagues, I have, like, IR spots, and Leonard Fournette's on my IR spot, but I guess, like, instead of him being ruled out, even though, like, he should be, it says he's uh, listed as doubtful. That stinks. That's brutal. Who else can you drop? Yep. That move. Uh, so these are the people that I could... We got uh, 10 seconds, dude. To, 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 all right. Uh, Derek Henry, uh, Buck Allen, and uh, Ronald Jones. Would you drop any of those guys for Wendell Smallwood, Frankie? I wouldn't. Neither would I. You can't do it. I'm sorry, Steven. For Frank Stanville, my name is Greg Sussman. The Fantasy Football Frenzy comes your way next. Chris Ventura, Corey Parson, and Jim Day. Thank you so much for watching the Fantasy Best Friends Forever. We'll do it all again tomorrow. We hope. <laughs>